Welcome to the SDA Housing Podcast, brought to you by NDIS Property Australia. Before starting this episode, we need to provide a general disclaimer. Information contained in this podcast is general in nature only. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. You need to consider your financial situation and needs before making any decisions based on the information in this podcast. And you should consider seeking independent and professional advice for your personal circumstances. All right, let's begin. Hello, everybody. My name is Min, and I'm your host today from NDS Property Australia here in Brisbane. And you're listening to the SDA Housing Podcast, a show that explains, highlights, guides, and brings awareness about all things in SDA to you, the listener, about this ever-changing NDIS world. Today's topic is about Tasmania and Hobart specifically, um, and joining to us is our guest speaker, our regular guest speaker, who we can't get rid of, Robert Maxwell from Melbourne. Hello, Rob. Hi, man. Hi, everyone. Happy to be back speaking about Tassie this time. Yeah. So one of the things we have discussed in the past three months or so, Rob, is Tasmania and Hobart. And this is a great time for us to promote this because we, we've been wanting to get into this market for a while now. Rob, can you explain to us what the opportunities lie ahead of us for our listeners about this uh, untapped market in Tasmania? Yeah, well, that that's the key question. Uh, at the minute, uh, Tassie is very much in its infancy with the NDIS SDA housing. Uh, there's very little, if not any, currently in operation. There might be a few that are starting to be built now. So that we know that there's demand. There's, there's currently, according to our records, four recently built brand new SDA builds, and they are too robust and two fully accessible, and that's it. Okay, which compared to the rest of Australia is minimal. So that, that's the opportunity to build these properties now where the risk of tenancy vacancy will be very low because there's obviously significant demand in Tassie that uh, you'll be able to talk to in terms of the, the stats there, I'm sure. Mm. Um, looking at our stats, our research here, there is about well, – well, Tassie – Rob, what's what are the main main areas or, or re- cities or towns of Tasmania? Hobart's obviously the big one. Uh, now, mm-hmm. for those of you in Melbourne, Sydney, and Brisbane, Hobart's reasonably small. I think its population is around one hundred and fifty thousand. Beautiful city. Um, then you've got mm-hmm. Launceston up in the northern tip of of Tasmania, which again is another city that's done very well property wise over the last seven or eight years. And there's a few other smaller cities, Devonport, uh, in between the two. But the, the main areas are Hobart, Launceston, and probably Devonport in terms of the opportunities for this, particularly Hobart. Mm. Well, the numbers for Hobart with regards to demand is about 180 participants in SDA dwelling. So there's, there is demand for 180 participants in SDA dwellings. Um and they are mostly currently living in group homes and legacy homes. So for all our listeners who don't know what that is, that's basically the under the older scheme. So prior to the NDIS rolling out around Australia, the state government would have been looking after these participants in their own state um, model with regards to disability, whatever that's called. It's called differently in different states. And there is a reasonable number of potential um, 
opportunities for our investors to look into because the the goal to SDA with investors really is acquisition of land at a lower price and build at a as quickly as possible before the prices go up, obviously. But Rob, you, you you being in Melbourne, you know more about the the Tasmania products, the land prices, and so whatnot than anyone else. Traditionally, what what have been the land prices been like down in Melbourne in, in Tasmania? Sorry, in the last few years. Tassie in the last probably six years has been the best performed property market in the traditional sector mm. uh, in Australia. Uh, it was highly undervalued versus Melbourne, Sydney six years ago, and so a lot of investors have gone down there, and obviously a lot of people have also um, decided to have a sea change and move to Hobart. So it has gone up a lot, but it is still roughly probably half the price for land in Hobart versus the equivalent mm. in Melbourne. Uh, to give you an idea, we've got a couple of packages in a suburb called Clarendon Vale, which for anyone who knows, Hobart is on the eastern side of the Derwent, so you have to cross the big uh, bridge from Hobart. And anyone who follows cricket, it's it's near where the Bell Reeve Oval is. So it's still in reasonable close proximity to the centre of Hobart. It's about a 20-minute drive and about 10 kilometres. And the land there is about 245, 250,000. So you compare that to Melbourne and Brisbane, uh, where you, you're looking at 400 mm. to 450,000 for land in the outskirts. That's where the opportunity here lies in that the packages, even for high physical, are coming in at about $779,000 for a four-bed. Uh, which is probably two to $250,000 under the other areas that we're looking at, except for, probably on a, on a comparable basis to Perth. Rob, what's the, the size of that land for that kind of number, 240K? Uh, that, that's still to be confirmed, but it's at least 12 and a half metres wide. Uh, I think it's about 350 to 400 square metres. Some of the blocks down there are a bit bigger than what's being supplied in Melbourne, mm. so they could be up to 500 square metres and just be a little bit more expensive. I guess if investors want a lower price in Tassie, you look at Launceston and Burnie and other areas around around Hobart, around Tasmania, which are away from the, the metro areas as, as well. Guess, yeah, yeah. Launceston's probably high 100s to 200 for the equivalent size, so you're probably going to be looking at about 50,000 less mm. for a package in, in Launceston. Yeah, yeah. At the moment in Hobart, there is 128 dwellings. Um, 39. These are estimated supply coming out. Actually, is a supply total all this existing? Sorry, this existing legacy new and pipeline builds. So 39 houses or dwellings in improved ability, 10 in fully accessible, seven in robust. And seventy-two being basics, basic being those legacy homes, pretty much. So there's no high physical support, and I would I would dare say that the seven robust there in Hobart are really the legacy homes as well. So uh, only definitely only two new robust and two fully accessible. So Rob, tell me more. So they're, they're the numbers there with regards to existing there, and we know that you know, um, as new product comes out then the participants in those older dwellings will definitely move over to a, a better choice product, like, like a, a, a three- or four-bedroom house. Um, this, this house you're looking at here in, Rock, Claret, in Rockingham Drive in Clarendon Vale, um, tell, us more about, tell us more about the floor plan there. What, what, what do you think about that? 
It's a floor plan similar to ones that we've offered in Melbourne. It's a four-bed, three, two-bath option. It's 207 square metres. So we Mm -hmm. would suggest two high physical participants, not three, to be conservative, and the extra Mm -hmm. bedroom could be used as a you know, a, a, an extra uh, living area. And then, of course, you've got the, the fourth bedroom that can be used as the on-site carer's room. Mm. The builder that our partner is has contracted down there is called SJM Property Developments in this particular case. Their website, for anyone mm. who's interested, is sjmpd.com.au. Uh, our partner, who is a consultancy firm that finds and does the due diligence on builders and then also has the relationships with providers down there. So they're acting as a, as our feet on the ground down there and putting together the areas that are suitable and they've come up with Clarendon Vale as being a, a suitable area with high demand. Uh, the builder looks like they've got a lot of awards. They've done a lot of high-end housing in the past, over a 1,000 homes over the last 15 years. So they're, they're a, mm-hmm. yeah. a, a good solid builder that that's agreed to build these NDIS homes based on on the plans. Uh, for those who will get the actual um, package that we've, we've got, you'll see that it looks high-end in terms of the finish and the fittings and the fixtures. There's a lot in the home mm. as optional extras that are included. So we're, we're confident that the risk with these is low. Uh, I, we assume, we have to confirm that the build time is probably similar down in Hobart to what it is in Melbourne. That, that's still to be confirmed. So you're probably looking at 12 months all up minimum to build this pro- property. However, in Hobart, what they're looking for, and in this particular instance, it is titled land. So there wouldn't be the waiting time for land to title. It's just the settlement terms, which could be 30 days or 60 days. Uh, and that can be negotiated between the, the two parties. One question one of my clients um, asked me was the floor plan there. Well, first of all, it's four bed, two and a half bath. So it's a powder, a large powder room, toilet, yep. with the ensuite and the main communal. So it's two and a half toilets there, or three toilets, two and a half bathrooms. Um, the Rob, I want to make, make mention of here. When you think, when you think as a normal investor, four bed, two bath, two car, you're assuming uh, three, four people in the house, which is one carer and three participants. And the comment of, well, there's only two bathrooms. Uh, that not that not enough bathrooms in the house, so to speak? And that's right in the traditional, that's correct in the traditional sense. You've got to remember there's a carer here uh, with three, potentially three, two or three participants. The carer is not going to have two participants having a bath or shower, a bath or a shower at the same time. They're not. That's the first comment. So you don't need. Although it'd be nice to have a four bed, four bath scenario design in a house. Yes, I understand that. We all know that. There's only one carer, and the carer isn't going to have three people in the, in the shower at the same time. So the water, the water center or the powder room here, the very large powder room, is large enough for one participant to go in there. Rob, as you can see in the floor plan, and the other bathroom across from it is a full proper uh, participant bathroom with a shower uh, and toilet there. And the answer has one there as well. So I'm quite happy and okay with the current design layout here, Rob. Are you, are you happy, do you share the same opinion? Yes, and no, really like this it. particular Fine. design and location has been obviously done in consultation with 
the providers who who have yes. said that there is mm. demand for it to be filled. So if they mm. had an issue with it, they would have let us yes. know. Now we will have potentially other designs through this group. Uh, mm. We've talked about the ones in Melbourne where you've got the hybrid design, you've got the robust. Uh, they might have a four, a three bed, three bath. There's a few different designs that are being worked on going forward. This particular one mm. is for these two initial packages that we've been mm. able to access. Mm. A, a question I get often from a lot of people, Rob, is um, why don't we have four bed, four bath, or three bed, three bath? And it's, it's the land size, the, the, the lot size. I mean, right now here it says a, a yeah, 12.5 metre wide block. In an ideal world, if you want a four-bed, four-bath, two-car HPS design house, you want a 15-metre wide frontage and roughly 30 long. But as you and I have discussed so many times, Rob, in the previous episodes, those big blocks don't exist anymore. The councils are cutting up the land smaller in land size and everyone's fighting over the larger blocks. So we can't get the ideal blocks for, for, for our NDS designs builds at all. So we have to make do with what we can. And in this case here, a four bed, two and a half bath, one car floor plan layout at 207 square meters, um, on a 12.5 meter wide block is the maximum we can do. And that's all we can, all that can be done on this block by this builder and endorsed by the providers being the seal provider and the housing provider as well. Yeah. Correct. Now, I'm envisaging so that aside, maybe able to get that aside, a few bigger yep. blocks in mm-hmm. some of the other areas of Tassie, the more remote mm-hmm. areas, but probably not in Hobart. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I agree. I agree. In the meantime, Rob, can you explain to our listeners what the uh, terms and conditions are with regards to if someone wanted to proceed with one of these types of packages in Hobart? Okay. In terms yep. of EOI, is- contracts, finance and so Yeah, this forth. is very important and this is the trend that we've found started in Melbourne and it's now continuing down in Hobart and probably will for the, re- the rest of Australia. Uh, if you are considering buying one of these packages, you have to be very confident or sure that you have finance in place or other means of payment. Uh, the land contracts and the bill contracts are... They are not allowing them to be subject to finance. So the investor has to be very confident that there's going to be no issues with them being able to fund the project. In terms of the timelines and the logistics, if it's a case like this, these two particular blocks where it's titled land that's probably a resale property, it's not through an estate, the general um Consensus is that there's a $5,000 deposit that needs to be put down on the land and that needs to be done quickly to secure the land and that is uh, non-refundable. That, and that's payable immediately? Because they're, they're selling straight away. So it's a market where the, the sellers have got the upper hand over the buyers. So there's a $5,000 immediate deposit on the land. Then two weeks later... The way it works with these providers is you have to pay the NDIS certification fee up front as well, which in Tasmania is $6,600. That's two weeks. So there's a two-week time frame on that to be paid. Then you've got the 10% land deposit as well that will need to be paid in in that time frame as soon as possible once the, the contracts have been signed. Terms of uh, settlement terms, usually it's probably going to be either 30 or 60 days 
from the point of the, the land contract. Mm-hmm. And then the 5% bill contract deposit needs to be paid at land settlement. So they're the, the timelines. Yep. Rob, is it normal for a vendor to ask for a 10% land deposit on a contract, even though they may be settling in 30 days or 40 days' time? I think it is now in the, in the market. You, know, you might say it's different up in, in Brisbane, but mm. certainly in Melbourne that's the norm and that's just continuing over to uh, Tasmania mm-hmm. here. You know, these could change going forward, but at the minute it, you just have to um, go mm-hmm. along with what the market's asking for. And refundable or not? Well, the initial $5,000 deposit is technically not refundable. But as we've discussed, uh, mm-hmm. if we had another investor that was, was prepared to move in, maybe we could uh, organise a deal where, there. But as we've discussed, the investor shouldn't be thinking that it's refundable because they, they have to make sure it's their finances in place and they have to be certain that they want to go ahead with these packages. So from a buyer's perspective... The five grand is non-refundable. The six thousand six hundred dollar amount is non-refundable. The up-and-coming ten percent land deposit is non-refundable, right? And then we're settling. Yep. So the vendor and is thirty forty-five days, or whatever the, whatever the date of settlement is. Yeah. So if you are a buyer and you want to proceed with something like this, this is the term. This is the market conditions of contracts um, because we know that there's so many buyers just chasing after these kind of packages which are provider endorsed provider led whereby um, the provider housing provider and the care provider have been they're very keen to see this up and running and the builder and the consultancy service want to ensure that the buyer is serious and not going to waste anyone's time okay that's the ultimate goal there Um, so there's Two there, Rob. Um, there is potentially more in Hobart coming up, right? There should be more next year. Yeah, weeks. our, our, our um, partner down there is looking for more land in consultation, I think, with this builder. All over Tassie, I think. All around uh, Tassie? As far as yeah. I understand. And we, we've asked them to come up with more packages for us in different areas at different prices. So hopefully mm-hmm. that will happen over the next mm-hmm. couple of weeks, a few weeks. And we've discussed this yeah. in the past, but I think land so, is probably going to free up a little mm. bit over the next six months and become a little bit easier to get based on the overall economic conditions we're in. Mm. Okay. Any uh, any final words of wisdom or advice for our listeners, Rob, about get, jumping into Tasmania and NDIS? Just that uh, if you do the numbers, it obviously certainly adds up and is very attractive versus other areas of Australia at the minute, as we discussed, you know, $200,000 to $250,000 uh, less of a capital investment, income is still pretty much the same as other areas in Australia. And as we said, the demand is only at the beginning in terms of uh, supply. Mm. So risk factors lower as well. I also think even though uh, Tassie has gone through a pretty good growth run over the last six years, because it is a lower entry point still, it it probably is a lower overall risk Mm. uh, in terms of the next five or ten years with overall property prices as well. So it, it, it's a particularly good option. Yeah. From a, from a risk point of view, we're providing a de-risked strategy by having it land is titled, that's number one, having the providers endorsing it, provider-led, 
packages. That's number two. Uh, number three is there's no competitive stock out there to compete or fight over the participants for your house if you buy this because there is zero HPS in Tasmania. That's number three positive there. Um, number four is we have a very good um, history of the, apparently this history of this build is, is 15 years of positive um, reputation in the marketplace there. That's number four. Um, yeah, I think that, that, that covers it, Rob. It really is. I mean, yep. That's compared to other, other, um, other locations around Australia, whereby there's uncertainty of land titles, uncertainty of builders, uncertainty of supply of product being dwellings coming out of the ground, uncertainty of participants being available. I think this, these ones in Tas- in Hobart, Tasmania. Uh, on the low-risk end of the spectrum. Agreed? Yes. Well, it's in the capital city, Hobart, as well, so it's um, mm, you know, it's, mm. it's not a remote area. Yeah. Rob, thank you so much for your time. We look forward to seeing you on next on one of our podcasts coming up in the next week. No worries. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye, mate. Have a good day and uh, look out for those um, op- options in Tassie that we've got coming up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure you are subscribed and following us so you can keep in the loop with all of our upcoming episodes. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating, a written review, and to share this podcast with those that could benefit. Until next time, catch you on the next episode.